night? Well, this is when we uh, typically have our children's story. Uh, obviously, we don't have all of our children with us, and so we're doing a modified version of that. So right there where you are, kids, uh, I want to show you something. You see this? This is a palm branch. And uh, all you young and all you young at heart who are watching and seeing this palm branch, today is Palm Sunday. And um, uh, Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Jesus was crucified. And so we know it was on this day of the week that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And those multitudes of people that were following him and coming out to meet him, the Bible says cut palm branches, laid them on the road along with their garments and created a carpet for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem upon and so, on Palm Sunday, we typically have palm branches, as we do today, to commemorate that. And palm branches are lots of fun for the kids to wave around. Um, but they're not just fun, they have actual real significance. So, I want to read to you, our text is going to be in John chapter 12 today. It's going to be John's version of the triumphal entry. And in verse 12, it says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So we know from this, children, that there were lots of children there that day. So there weren't just adults all assembled together greeting Jesus as he goes into Jerusalem. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of children. And when we come together for worship, we include our children, and the reason we do this is because we see all throughout the Bible that God never excludes children. God always includes children. This Wednesday will be Passover, and even in the celebration of the Passover, there is specific things that children do in celebration of that feast that had come to be regular tradition even when Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. We can even know that John was the youngest of the disciples because of where he sat in relation to Jesus at the Passover feast. And so children were never excluded by God in what God did throughout human history and children are not excluded today. And on Palm Sunday as Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. There were thousands of children waving their palm branches. Thousands of children crying out with their parents, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And do you know what Hosanna means? It means Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Lord, give us success. Lord, 
bless us. It was a cry of salvation. It wasn't as much a cry of celebration then. Now we say Hosanna as a cry of celebration. But it actually was a cry for salvation. It was the people crying out to God. God save us. God give us salvation we pray. And do you know on that day it was not just the adults. It was all the little children opening their mouths and crying out Hosanna. And that cry of Hosanna was a cry to God. God, save us. And the Bible says that if we cry out to the Lord, God, save us. Do you know what God promises? He promises that he will save us. If we cry out to the Lord and ask him to save us, the promise of God is that he will save us. So children... Call out to the Lord. Cry out to him. Hosanna. But understand that when you say Hosanna. You are crying out. That the Lord would save you. For there is no other salvation. Except the salvation that God gives to us. In his son the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king. So whether you have a palm branch or not. If you don't have one, pretend you have one and let's wave our palm branches. Are you ready? And let's say, just like we would that day, but today is today. It's not that day, it's today. And today we still say the same thing to our king. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king of Israel. All right. Let's read this again and let's go on and read to verse 19. John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. This will be our text today. As I said, this is Palm Sunday. We celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem as he makes his way to his eternal victory that was achieved for his people at the cross. So this is where Jesus is going. It's called the triumphal entry, but Jesus is entering Jerusalem to enter into his death, and through his death in the cross, he enters into our eternal victory. It's what he secured for us when he died on the cross, when he was buried in that tomb, when he rose to new life and resurrection power and ascended to the Father. He secured for us our eternal victory. The cry of the people was, Hosanna, save us, Lord. And their sincere or their insincere cry, because you understand, there were many people who sincerely cried. There may have been some who, just like in our own day, say the right things, but saying the right things from your mouth and from your head is not necessarily as saying the right thing From your heart. Their sincere or their insincere cry was a profession of utter dependence upon God. So it doesn't matter, sincere or not, the cry of the people, the cry of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. The cry of Hosanna 
was a cry of declaration, a cry declaring the utter dependence of the people upon their God. They blessed the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He not only came in the name of the Lord, he came as the Lord. The impact of that day and the events following were not understood by many until later. The narrative here in John tells us that. Some never came to understand and some never came to believe, to trust in Jesus. Man's unbelief, though, does not change the truth of who Jesus is. Man's unbelief today does not change the truth of who Jesus is. Believe it or not, he is the king and the Lord of all. Amen? Let's read John 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when they called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness and for this reason, the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, this is a weekend that we celebrate good news Lord, every day is the day the Lord has made, and every day is the day we should celebrate your good news. Lord, what this day in church history signifies, the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus into his royal city to achieve for his people the eternal victory won for us in the cross. This is a day that literally changed the world. This is a day that changed history that still changes history. Father, we thank you for the privilege of celebrating this day. And we ask that you would open our hearts and open our minds by your Holy Spirit, wherever we are, however we are hearing and however we are watching, that you would open our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit and reveal Jesus Christ to us that we would be changed and transformed into a glorious and powerful witness for his name. We ask this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the four Gospels, we see four versions of the triumphal entry, and they all present um, some things that are the same, and they present the triumphal entry from different points of view as they are supposed to. 
So please understand the four Gospels were never to present four identical views and the fact that they're different, not in fact, but in perspective, was the divine providence of God to help us see this event and all events in the Bible from a fuller point of view. And today as we have looked at John's account here of the triumphal entry, there were four things that, that really we see in this account in all four of the Gospels. We see the popularity of the king. So the cry was, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the Lord, the king of Israel. And it says that a great multitude gathered. So we see the popularity of the king. And they gathered and there was a procession. We see the popularity of the king. We see the procession of the king. A procession, a parade if you will. We see the proclamation of the king. Not just the events, but what the people were proclaiming from their mouths. They proclaimed the king. And we see the presentation of the king. And we're going to look at these these realities and how they relate to us in our world today because they still relate to us today. They relate in, in many ways. The popularity of Jesus, the popularity of the king, the procession of the king, the proclamation of the king, and the presentation of the king. In a sense, we still involve ourselves in all of these things today. We just do it in different ways. But we are all in some form or some fashion making the king known. And the question is, how are we doing that? How are we joined to him? How are we involved in making him known and proclaiming his kingship today? And if there is ever a day that humanity needs to know the kingship of Jesus, it is today. If there's ever a time when God's people need to know that Jesus is king, it is today. And if we are not careful, just like the people in the day that Jesus marched, literally marched into, rode into Jerusalem, if we are not careful, if we are not vigilant, we can be swept up into the events, the current events of the day, And we too can forget that Jesus is king. We too can become distracted and focused on things that draw our attention away from his kingship, his lordship, his power, and his authority, his victory. And we can be drawn away and focused on things that do not lead to our life, but lead to our destruction. So today is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day we celebrate the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we call it triumphal because it was triumphal. It wasn't just triumphal in its spirit, in the tone of the celebration, the tone of the procession and the parade and the the excitement of the people. It was triumphal because it actually accomplished something. Jesus actually triumphed. He is our triumphal king today. And he rules 
And He reigns in triumph, in victory today and for all eternity. And we need to know that. We need to live that. We need to help others remember that. And we need to tell others who do not know that. The popularity of the king. Jesus was popular with a great multitude. That is until, he, until his perceived persona and purpose failed to meet the popular expectation. So we're going to talk about a lot of things that aren't filled in by these few verses we just read in, in, in this specific account in John's gospel. We need to go ahead and read the rest of the gospels and read what happened as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, as Jesus daily in Jerusalem and in the temple began to teach and began to perform miracles and began to do things that, that, that begin to affirm that he was the king. And it made him more popular with some people and it made him increasingly less popular with a growing number of people. Some ordinary people, some powerless people, but some... Very powerful, very influential people did not hold Jesus in popular view. So Jesus was popular with a great multitude, but his popularity only lasted as long as his persona and his purpose met the popular expectation. A triumphal Messiah, and this is who they were declaring Jesus to be, it was not lost on those who knew. The people declared it. Whether they believed it or not, whether they were just caught up in the moment, there were a multitude of people who believed Jesus to be the Messiah, and they proclaimed him such. A triumphal Messiah is popular with the people, but an arrested, scourged, and crucified Messiah is not. They called him king until many called for him to be crucified. Jesus was popular until he did and demanded things contrary to popularly held beliefs. Very similar to what we find happening in our culture today because it's happened since the beginning of human history. There is... The popularity of the things Jesus did. He did very popular things. He gained popularity with the people. For instance, healing was popular. You notice that in John's account here, it says many who were there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead were, were there to see him because he had done this sign. They wanted to see a miracle worker. They wanted to see someone who raised a man from the dead because no one had ever seen that before. So what that tells us, if we re read between the lines, is there were a lot of people there who were following Jesus because he was the Messiah, but there were also a lot of people there to see Jesus for the same reason, if you remember, I don't think they still have these, but when I was a kid they had carnivals. And at the carnival, they had a very, every good carnival had one. It was called a very politically incorrect thing. It was called the freak show. And I can remember in my hometown of Victoria, Texas, going to the annual carnival and going and seeing the freak show. 
and the freakier and the stranger and the weirder and the, and the more uncommon and unique those people and things were, the more I wanted to go and see. And so there were people following Jesus here because they believed he truly was the Messiah, but there were also people there because they wanted to see the man who raised Lazarus from the dead. You understand what I'm saying? Healing was popular, but healing on the Sabbath was not. Raising Lazarus was popular, but it wasn't popular with everybody because it meant that the guy they were trying to get rid of became even more powerful and even more popular in the eyes of the people. Eating is popular, but eating with sinners was not. Inviting people to partake in eternal life was popular, but demanding that people eat his flesh and drink his blood was not. In fact, it says on that day that Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. It says that day many turned away from him and followed him no more because that saying was too hard. Or we could say it like this, that saying was too unpopular. There is much the saying in our day today. There is a popular idea of who Jesus is and how Jesus wants us to live and how Jesus wants us to let others live. Just live your faith and be quiet about it and let other people live however they want to live. He is embraced by the popular crowd until his commands come in conflict with the popular culture. Then we must ignore his commands or reject him outright or both. When Jesus and his followers fall into disfavor with the culture, the culture demands we conform to its standards, that we keep silent, or that we cease to exist. All the while, Jesus has consistently commanded that we obey him. He never says, obey me as long as the consequences aren't bad. He never says, obey me as long as it's popular to obey me. He simply says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey me. The popularity of Jesus was fleeting with the whims of the people, just as they are today. The religious and the political establishment saw him as a threat to their own power. They manipulated a fickle populace to dispose of him, or so they thought. Jesus is not someone that can be disposed of. Have you heard what they're doing in China now? President Xi is commanding that people replace pictures of Jesus with pictures of himself. Because Jesus cannot save you from your poverty. Jesus cannot provide for you the things that you need. Only the party can. And you are literally starving to death while you're looking to Jesus. So now the command in China in this poor province is take down your pictures of Jesus and put up your pictures of Xi and the state will provide for you. That is literally happening today. In communist China. And we sit in America. Locked down in our homes. And we say. But that would never happen in America. Well you know what. About a month ago. You didn't think we'd be where we are right now in America. But look where we are. 
But even though in China, the state can, report, they can, they can force people to remove pictures of Jesus, but they cannot remove Jesus. Because Jesus is the eternal Lord of all. Jesus is not in a picture. Jesus is. Jesus is not a king who rules in his popularity. He is a king who rules in his sovereignty. He's not a king by will of the people. He is king in spite of the people. When the rulers of this world crucified Jesus, they did not destroy his rule. They established it. It was not we who must accept Jesus as king. It is Jesus who must accept us. Our salvation is not first dependent upon our acceptance of God and his son. Our salvation is first dependent upon God accepting us in his son. The affection and the affinity we have for Jesus is fleeting in our humanity. But it is eternal in Jesus Christ. The love of God in Christ is eternal. God is love and his love for his children never fails. No matter what is happening in the world around us. God's love for us is not determined by viruses or pandemics. These things may be a result of God's judgment. But they are not a reflection of his love. God's love for us was reflected when God determined that his son would die for the sins of his people. But the correction of God is born out of love, not out of wrath. There are many who cringe at the idea that I would even say the, the coronavirus pandemic is a judgment from God. But I'll tell you right now, I believe it absolutely is. It's a result of sin. It is the result of what sin has brought into our world. It didn't, it didn't come in a few months ago in Wuhan, China. It came in thousands of years ago in the Garden of Eden when man fell. And sin became the pandemic that has filled the earth and filled creation. When sin became the true terminal illness that man suffers from. And Jesus, our king, is the only hope we have of being healed. And when God brings correction to his children, and it's not born out of his wrath, it's born out of his love. Just like a good parent corrects their children because they love them, not because they have wrath toward them. A love for Christ must be born out of the knowledge of his love for us. His divine love was, giving to us, was given to us by grace when we were most unlovable and unwilling. Love for Jesus cannot be based on popularity. That is not love. Love doesn't blow with the wind. Love doesn't move with the wind. Does, love doesn't move with the popularity meter. Love is eternal. 
Our love for Christ must be born from his love for us. We come to know our need for him more deeply as we come to know his love for us more intimately. It is not popularity Jesus commands. It is love. Jesus does not want to just be popular with his people. Jesus wants to be the object of his people's love. The procession of the king, the triumphal entry, was a procession. It was a ceremonial procession leading into that city. But the triumphal entry was a divinely spontaneous procession with a great multitude moving with Jesus as he entered Jerusalem. This was a procession of the king entering his royal city. He did not become king in this procession or at the end of this procession. He is the king. He is the eternal king. The procession was forming from both directions. It was spontaneous, yet it was eternally planned and purposed by God. Forming from both directions. There were people coming with the king. They were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast, the feast of Passover. So Jews from all over the known world were coming to Jerusalem. They were coming from different parts of the region, different parts of the world. They were on the road to Jerusalem. They were joining the procession, traveling with Jesus into Jerusalem. It was forming from both directions. They were coming with the king into the city, and there were those that were already in the city coming out to meet the king. This picture here, this procession presented to us here, in the Gospels is a foretaste. It's a foreshadowing picturing our future procession when all saints from all time will meet Jesus outside the city, not on a road, but in the air. And they will come with him in procession from heaven and rise to meet him in the air from earth. This will occur at the consummation of all things. We shall all be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall then return to reign with him on this earth forever. This is not a picture of a rapture, a temporary Time with Jesus. This is the picture of the consummation of all things when Jesus finally returns to this earth to rule and to reign. It is a picture of the triumphal entry, the ultimate reality, our reality that has been secured for us by our King, the Lord Jesus. This procession was no doubt the procession of a king, the great multitude cut. Branches of palm trees and laid them along with their garments, their cloaks, their clothes. They laid them on the road so that Jesus had a carpet on which to ride his donkey upon as he traveled into the city. The procession was a proclamation of the king and his kingdom. And many did not realize it at that time and many more forgot when he was crucified. They forgot their cries of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They forgot those cries as they saw him scourged and crucified, hanging upon the cross. Still today, many do not realize the King is reigning 
and that he is coming again, but he is. And in this procession was the proclamation of the king. It was in word and it was in deed. The actual procession proclaimed that he was king. But the people who made up this procession, the people who lined the the roadside, the people who followed behind and the people who went before him were crying out, proclaiming Jesus as king. This procession was not a silent, solemn procession. On the contrary, it was a celebration. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, Luke tells us in Luke 19.37, so that this was a procession of great volume and great celebration. This was in no way a quiet affair. This was in no way an affair that could have gone unnoticed by the multitudes of people in and around Jerusalem. It was filled with celebration. So much so that the religious and the politically sensitive in the crowd became uncomfortable with the volume and the tone of this celebration. The tone was unmistakably a celebration of the coming king, the Messiah. The people cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king of Israel. Listen to Luke's description of the events in Luke 19, 37 through 40. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Teacher, rebuke your disciples was the admonition from the religious and the politically sensitive in the crowd. This was too controversial, too dangerous, too reckless, too likely to upset the power structure of the day. Jesus is still upsetting power structures, if you have not noticed. He is still too controversial for too many people. He is still too dangerous, too reckless, and too disruptive for the status quo. It is often incorrectly cited that Jesus and Christianity are not political in nature. There is nothing more political than the cry Jesus is Lord. Jesus was proclaimed king because that is who he is. There is a reason why the president of China wants the picture of Jesus replaced with his own. Because whether he will admit it or not, whether he will confess it or not, he knows that he is not truly Lord of that country as long as there is Jesus. And though he may mistakenly think that removing pictures of Jesus may secure his place in the hearts of his people and in the 
political rule of his nation. He is only there as long as the king and the Lord of lords allows him to be there. It doesn't matter whether he believes that or not. It doesn't matter whether we believe that or not. This pandemic we're all suffering from is only here as long as God says it's going to be here. And if God said today is the end of it, it would be the end of it today in an instant, in a heartbeat. Not that that could not happen. It is likely that it will not happen. So what are we left with? We're left with trusting the king and believing that he is truly Lord, not only of China, not only of America, but of all viruses and pandemics and anything else that might touch our world. Jesus was proclaimed the king because that's who he is. He is king. He is Lord. He is judge. He is not some new age pacifist who avoids controversy at all costs. That is who many professing Christians want Jesus to be. But that is not who he is, and that's not who the scripture assures us that he is. He is Lord. He is our mighty warrior king who has already triumphed over all. So in this proclamation of the king, there is a presentation of the king. How is the king presented? Think about our world today when kings and queens travel and are presented. How are they presented? Can you imagine Queen Elizabeth riding through the streets of London on the back of a little donkey? No, you can't. Because it would never happen. Because that's not the protocol of kings and queens. Yet this was the protocol. And this was how our king was presented. Verse 15. John quotes the Old Testament prophet. Fear not, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. Not in pomp and circumstance with armies and airplanes and tanks and missiles and shows of might and power, but sitting on a donkey's colt. This was the fulfillment of scripture. It was foretold their king would come sitting on a donkey's colt, presented in the most lowly and humble of fashions. The king of kings lowly riding on a donkey's colt. Not a picture of military might, but a picture of God's power and might that would conquer the world through humble obedience. You see, Jesus didn't conquer the world through might. He conquered the world through humble obedience. And God tells us to be like Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Don't try to take what God has offered you through power and might. Jesus did not. Become obedient like Jesus, even to the point of death, and so be exalted into the place that God would have you to be exalted into. That place is found in Jesus, the humble servant king who conquered not by his might, but by his humble obedience. God encouraged them to fear not, but they did not heed God's word. God encourages us today Fear not, will you heed his word? Will you be caught up with the fear and the panic of what's happening? This just went black. Will you be caught up with the fear and panic of what is happening or will you heed God's word? 
a show of force, many missed. When God conquered through his humble obedience, it was a show of force that many people missed. God encouraged them to fear not. They did not heed God's word and ultimately trusted in their steel. They trusted in their own power and their own might to save them. The people had created a Messiah in their own image. And when Jesus did not fulfill that image, they rejected him and they rejected God's word. The presentation of the king did not ultimately conform with who the people and their leaders had come to expect their Messiah to be. This is much more our problem today. This is our problem today. We suffer from the very same things that the people in Jesus' day suffered from. We're back. Sorry about that. We're back. Our problem is much like the problem of the people in Jesus' day. They had created a Messiah in their own image. And when Jesus did not fulfill that image, they rejected him and they rejected God's word. And the presentation of the king did not ultimately conform with who the people and their leaders had come to expect their Messiah to be. Today we suffer from the same problems, same issues. We are not to be creating God or his Christ in our own image. We have failed to understand that it is God who has created us in his image. God does not conform to us. We are to conform to him. We want our God to be acceptable to men so that men would accept us. So that when men accept God, they would accept us also. Man has always sought to fashion God into an image acceptable to man. We want people to like us and so we want people to like our God. We want men to accept our God so that men will accept us. And when man changes God into man's image, we know that the fear of man is greater than the fear of God. This is a grave sin that man must repent of. And we are all guilty in some form or fashion of creating God in our own image. And that is a sin that we must repent of. We must present the king just as he is. Just as he is presented to us in the scripture. To Israel he was presented lowly sitting on a donkey's colt. He was presented the suffering servant and the crucified savior. Those were realities that did not line up with the unfaithful expectation of a people. Driven by their own lust and their own desires. In our sinful humanity, we are no different than the people of Jesus' day who rejected him because he was the Messiah and Savior who did not meet their sinful expectation. This is the plague of our own heart. This is the rejection of the true God. I want to ask some questions for all of us to ponder. Is Jesus king Right now, the answer obviously is yes. Jesus is the king 
now. How does this coronavirus pandemic conflict with the scriptural presentation of a good and loving and all-powerful God? That's a question many people are asking. Don't avoid the question. Deal with the question. Is the fact that Jesus is king, is the fact that he's all loving, all good, all knowing, does that conflict with the reality of this pandemic that's, that's touching the world right now and affecting the entire world we live in? That's a question we need to deal with. And at the end of all of it, whatever answer you come to, you need to know that Jesus is king and Lord of all. How is God living up to our expectation, or is he? How are we doubting God because our life has been disrupted by circumstances beyond our control? Control things as you might like to. You do not control, ultimately. God is the one in control. I control the color shirt, the tie I put on today, the jacket I wore, I chose between two different colors of gray. It's my choice. But if I think I am the one in control of my life because I chose my tie and my shirt and my jacket today, I am deceived beyond measure. How is our doubting God and our disruption of life How is God, our expectation of him, how is all of that contributing to how we are viewing God and believing God today? Who is the king we are presenting in our life? Is he the king we have created in our own image? Or is he the God and king who has created us in his own image? Who is the king we are presenting today in the midst of this pandemic that has the world captivated in fear? Jesus is king over all kings. He is Lord over all. He is the sovereign God who reigns over all of his creation and everything in it, both in heaven and on earth. His power and authority are not subservient to any other power, to any other name. He has power and he has authority over all. He has power over sickness and disease. Do you believe that? He has power over every virus, over every pandemic. And over every other worldwide disaster that could possibly touch us. Do you believe that? To say yes I believe it is good. But how are we presenting our king? How is your life answering that question? How is your sleep answering that question? How is your level of stress answering that question? How is your giving answering that question? How is your praying answering that question? How is your study and meditation in God's word answering that question? 
Are you saying the right things, but living all the things that are communicating a different king? And what God is saying, don't just say it with your lips, but live it with your life. Believe it in your heart and live it. These are not inconsistent or contradictory realities with God and with our king who is presented to us in the scripture. If he is not Lord over all, then he cannot be Lord at all. There is nothing happening today that contradicts who Jesus is. Jesus is the king of kings. He is not sharing his power or his authority with the devil. There's not some devil running loose out there, sneaking around doing things, and God's running after him trying to correct whatever the devil is doing. That's not who God is. God is not a fireman running behind fires, putting them out. He is the Lord. He is the king. He's not sharing any power, any authority with a man or with the devil. There is no struggle to see whether good or evil will ultimately win. I don't care what Star Wars says. There is no balance in the force. There is God and he holds all the power. All of it. Jesus has already triumphed. His victory from before creation was never in question except in the minds of fallen men and fallen angels. Jesus, our conquering king, is presented to us as having destroyed him who had the power of death and releasing those subject to the bondage of fear, fear of death. Listen to the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 2.14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus the king is presented to us as having already triumphed over his enemies. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus the king is victorious over sin and death. He is victorious over all his enemies. And when we trust Jesus our king and Lord of all, we share his victory over death. We are released from the fear of death that all our lifetime subject, subjected us to bondage. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Jesus, our King. He has triumphed. Trust Him and be set free from sin and death and fear. Our King invites us each week to His table to celebrate His victory. And wherever you are, know that the King who reigns victorious over all of His enemies, even death, has given you a place at His table. At his table, we proclaim his body and his blood, his victory over sin and over death. We partake of his body and his blood, and so we partake of his victory and his eternal life. Thanks be to God. Let's all stand. Here is your charge today, church. 
those that are here and those that are at home. This is Palm Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. This week we remember Jesus, our King, who triumphantly entered Jerusalem to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Indeed, Jesus did just that through his victory in the cross. Next week is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our ascended Lord. We do that every Sabbath, every Sunday, every time we gather, whether it's here or there. But today and next Sunday is the time we've set aside to mark our calendars and specifically remember and proclaim his resurrection. Your charge is to be ready. Be ready to stand with your king even when he falls out of popularity. Be ready to go with your king even when he is leading you to the cross. Be ready to proclaim your king. Be instant in season and out of season. Let the word hid in your heart come boldly out of your mouth and show in your life to make known Jesus the king. Be ready to present your king with humble boldness every day in every way. Not just this Sunday, not just next Sunday, but every day. In the small things, in the great things, in the things seen by all, in the things unseen and only, lo- only known to you and to your Lord. Present him with humble boldness. Present him as the king that he is, the king of kings, the Lord of all. Amen.